So I'm totally cheating, and I'm drinking the same beer that I drank for our mini-sode <laughs> that dropped this week. Yeah. And that is the Temperance Beer Company Birdsong. Ooh. It's so delightful, I decided to drink it again. That is funny because I am also cheating and drinking the same thing that I drank on the <laughs> mini-sode, too. Can you guys tell that we record the- recorded these on the same day? Ugh. <laughs> oh. So if you missed the mini-sode, Sam is drinking the A. Martin Peach Chardonnay from Chateau Thomas Winery. And if you want to hear more about it, we encourage you to go back and listen to the mini-sode after you're done with this one. But I did get this on the field trip from Coop Camp. And the winery was like, what, a football field away from our hotel? It was just too convenient. Yeah. I mean, I could totally lob a football over to it for sure. Your arm is better than mine. But. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but yeah no the this came in like that really cute like this little cute jug thing so the thing with wine is you gotta like drink it within a certain period of time otherwise it just doesn't taste the same so I was okay with cheating and like continuing to drink this today too and, and welcome to we drink and we farm things yay that's Bev over there and that's Sam over there and this is the Farm Comedy Podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up on our Patreon. So this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm and become a Patreon peep at the $2 level or above. And you're going to get fun, exclusive recordings and stuff over there. So go check it out. Yeah. And our drinks this episode were sponsored by one of our Patreon peeps, Elise Ferguson, which is at EGF Brahma Mama over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So I know we don't have any follow-up listed, but how are Herc's uh, nether regions doing? I'm just curious about his lack of balls. <laughs> they're doing awesome they're oh, almost good. all healed up oh good uh, putting that muzzle on him made like all the difference in the world yeah oh that's awesome yeah so he's doing much better it's still like a little open down there but not very much in fact i've been mostly leaving him alone because he's getting a little irritated with me he runs <laughs> every time i go out there to go get him uh and in fact uh on saturday I had the farrier come and I forgot that he was coming. Oh no. <laughs> and I had Herc out in the pasture without a halter on. <laughs> and so I had to catch Herc and halter him with an audience. And oh. that was equal parts hilarious and embarrassing. But I did it. 
So <laughs> you live and you'll learn. <laughs> exactly. But he's doing much better. Yeah. And Good. he's permanently wearing his halter for the time being so that I can catch him easily if I need to check on it. I learned my lesson on that one. Um, but he won't be wearing it all the time once he, once we get our relationship built up a little better and yeah. I'm not having to bug him so much with the medical stuff. <laughs> he's like, why are you so obsessed with me? Leave my man region alone. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with my lack of balls, lady? <laughs> you took them. Isn't that enough for you? <laughs> right? <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. So we got our honey and rue boxes for the month of July. We sure did. Which is always exciting. Yes, it yeah. is. So, so what was your favorite thing in this month's box? Oh, my favorite thing has to be that new Henny and Rue first aid bag. Mm, it's so cute. It is super cute. And I'm going to be totally honest. My first Henny and Rue first aid bag was not big enough for all of my first aid yeah. items. So I'm really excited that I have a second bag. So I need to take it out to the barn and like or reorganize everything. So I think I'm going to have like... I don't know, two different bags for different situations. Like maybe one will be more health related and the other one will be more emergency related. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, but. Ooh, that's a good idea. I love it. We have lockers in our barn now. So I have loops inside the lockers so I can stuff the bags with the things I need and hang them from the loops inside of it. So it's Mm. like grab and go. And then all the big bottles are on, you know, like the bottom shelf of the locker. It's very organized. It sounds like it. I'm jealous what is your favorite thing from the box so this time around i'm really feeling the espoma sanicare bedding for one main reason so it's a smaller sample bag of course but i love it because it's the perfect size for one of my smaller coops that has my polish chickens in it and my molted boat bantam cochin she's a little brat and she was broody on eggs for a while um and she broke them, a couple of them, which was pretty gross because some of them had started developing. And then I went to, like, go get a scooper to clean it out. And I came back and those savages ate it. Ooh. So <laughs> chickens are cannibalistic, if you didn't know. Yes. Uh, I have that material for an episode in my back pocket someday. <laughs> we have kind of talked about that before. Um, yeah. But I liked this because after I like scraped everything out, like what was left anyways, um, and put down some first Saturday lime, um, this was really nice to put into those smaller uh, uh, nesting boxes. Because in that coop, it's like the housing area is on top and then underneath is the run. And they tend to kick shavings or straw out and then it leaves the box bare. But this stuff is more like a sand quality and it absorbs differently. So I ended up putting that in there and it's working much better in that coop uh, than shavings were. So uh, that is my gold star for the box this month. Nice, nice, nice. I would say that the, uh, you know, Henny and Rue 3 and 1 vitamins, minerals, and electrolytes is a close second, though, because I always love having that on hand, especially this time of year. Yeah, it was so hot. In fact, I've just bought everybody uh, new chicken waters this morning um, mm. because I had metal ones. 
and it's been so hot and we have so much iron in our water it's really like broken them down and they've gotten kind of gross and like I'm getting some plastic ones so that I can clean them a little easier they mm-hmm. don't rust and I can start putting like some electrolytes and stuff in their water again because the metal ones if you put anything that's semi-acidic in it it'll eat away at that protective layer and then you've got a rusty waterer so i'm switching everybody to plastic this afternoon and i'm gonna put that in it because they deserve that it's been awful here it's not today it's a beautiful i'm gonna call it a beautiful day it's pouring rain and 75 degrees but that feels beautiful (laughs) after 95 and 100 percent humidity that made it feel like 110 oh yeah oh yeah that's how it's been here too and today it's 70 degrees and i was outside just like oh this is amazing and it's sunny and it's not going to rain today. So it feels pretty magical here too. Nice. And uh, I also really enjoyed the flock party sunflower and raisin snack mix. That's how I talked everybody into posing for my pictures that I took for some of our sponsors last week. They were super (laughs) excited to get it. Yes. Um, And another thing that's always great to have that I feel like I have a nice stock up of now is that green goo respiratory care. Uh, always good and because you know what when you have those crazy like super hot humid days and then it drops down to like 70 with low humidity that's actually not super great for your chickens um they are heat tolerant but they're not tolerant to humidity as much so they can get a little cold um like <clears throat> not like burr <laughs> necessarily <Yeah. laughs> um so that's always great to have on hand just in case And, you know, I was going to tell you, I actually used that green goo on uh, Darby with her pneumonia. I felt like it helped break up some of the phlegm. So I don't think it's just good for your chickens. I think you can use it on any of your animals that are having any type of respiratory issues. Anything to kind of boost up their ability to break it up is Mm going to make them more comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah. And the chicken charm leg bands were adorable. Totally. Just as adorable as that star that we got for Coop Decor. And I have a little story about that star later that I'll tell about in the farm story today. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but it's up and it's cute. And more on that later. <laughs> and then we also got a really cool uh, treat sample from Purina. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to give that to the ladies. They're going to enjoy it. And as always, we got a nesting box liner. Uh, which are those are always handy and appreciated um so that was our july box but did you see what the sneak peek was for the august box i haven't seen it yet what is it so it's a mason jar inspired tumbler with a straw that says yes i do need all of these chickens (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) and like if you're gonna buy a box it sounds like this one should be the one you buy just for that tumbler i don't know i feel like i got the summer box just for the bracelet and the towel but this august box i need it because of this this tumbler because clearly i don't have enough things to drink out of around here i mean i like variety Uh, i mean (laughs) i can always use more drinking vessels personally so that's really exciting So if you are not a current subscriber, you can go to honeyandroo.com and uh, clip, click to subscribe to your first box and use code DRINKINFARM at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off your first box. So make sure you go do that if you also want to be in the Cool Kids Club with that fun drink tumbler. Yes, yes. So I think we are going to dive into the episode, which 
maybe you don't want to talk about diving with what we're going to talk about today. I was going to say maybe we should talk about sliding oh. this month's episode and this week's episode. <laughs> yes. Today is not for the faint of heart. Today we will be talking about adult goat diarrhea. Ooh. <laughs> and the article I'll be referencing um, that I got a lot of this information from is from TennesseeMeatGoats.com. Um, but the author is Susan W. Gasparato from Onion Creek Ranch, Texas, and she wrote this back in 2016. Um, but it's got a lot of the information that I found in a bunch of different spots when I was panicking and Googling. Well, and I was going to tell you that TennesseeMeatGoats.com website, that's where I get a lot of my helpful goat oh. health information on the fly. They've got a lot of really useful stuff on there. So, yeah, that's definitely a website everybody should be checking out. I know it says Meat Goats, but... They talk like goat health very seriously and yes. clinically. It, it's super helpful. It's not like a flowery blog post that like tells you all the backstory. It just like gives you all the facts. It's super helpful. Yes, I agree. So it actually turns out that adult goat diarrhea is super rare, um, but we finally experienced it on our farm. Most of the time when you hear about goat diarrhea, it's like baby goats and it's called scours. It's called scours for adults too. Um but what I was experiencing was, I'm not going to call scourms. I'm going to call it mud butt, aka diarrhea. It was really gross. Um, so <laughs> first I'm going to go through like a lot of the meat and potatoes. Not that I want to reference food probably when I'm talking about diarrhea. But we're going to go through the like heavy mm-hmm. information. Heavy is probably not another word I want to use. <laughs> I'm on a roll um, of what this could mean and what could have caused it. And then I'll tell you what it was for my goat. And I will just say, everyone's fine. We're very lucky. We'll just leave it there. So you don't have to feel bad for Sam the whole time she's talking today, if if that's how you're feeling. So there are four major causes of diarrhea in goats. And that is bacteria, viruses, parasite, and management practices. And what we mean by management practices are is overcrowding, poor sanitation, or nutritionally induced problems such as overfeeding. So diarrhea can be the symptom of many different illnesses. And buckle up, because this is like the first thing I read when I Googled goat diarrhea. It could be <laughs> bloat, ruminal acidosis, lamnitis slash founder, copper deficiency, aflatoxin poisoning, anaphylactic shock, plant toxicity slash poisoning, renal failure, selenium toxicity, coccidiosis, enterotoxemia, <laughs> I don't even know what that is, uh, salmonellaosis, E. coli, caprine herpes virus, heavy parasite tech infestation, and goat polio. Oh, here. I'm just going to tell you what entoterotoxemia is really quick. Yes, please do. Yeah, that's like the C and D when you get the C, D, and T oh, shot. That's okay, the C okay, okay. and D of the C, D, and T. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have it in the notes here. It's Clostridium perfringens. I love pronouncing things wrong, so I didn't bother trying to pronounce that right. Um, but yeah, it's overeating disease. Okay. That's what so that. ento and enterotoxemia is overeating disease okay bev with the knowledge look at you go 
yeah, I'm I'm learning things and I'm retaining them. Go figure. <laughs> so the first thing I told myself was don't panic. Because a lot of the times, you know, have you ever like Googled something about yourself? Like my head hurts. It's been hurting for two days. And like WebMD tells you you have a brain tumor. I kind of pretty much <laughs> take that approach with my goats when I can, when they're not, when something's like not absolutely wrong um, to the point where I just know I need to call that right now. So um, with goat kids, diarrhea, I feel like is super serious because they can go down really fast. Um, with adults, I felt like I had a little more time, um, and he wasn't having diarrhea early that morning. So I knew it was probably fine. Um, but what you can do is take a fecal sample, um, and take that to your vet or run a fecal examination if you know how to do that. Um, and in this article that we'll link to in the show notes, there's also articles on TennesseeMeatGoats.com about how to do your own fecals. I've never tried that before, but I think it'd be something good to do. Yeah, it's on my list of things to learn. And I know you've thought about it before. Yeah. Yep. So maybe that's something we can learn for the podcast and then tell you guys about. We should totally do that because there's a group on Facebook. It's called the Floaters Club. And they <laughs> help you like determine what you're looking at in your microscope to like kind of get you going on it. I did join it. I still haven't put any poop on a slide, uh, but it's on my short list of things to do. <laughs> yes, I should get a microscope too. Um, so before treating a goat for diarrhea, it's really important to determine why the animal is having diarrhea. Because diarrhea controlling medication can actually make the situation worse. Um, Diarrhea that has the consistency of pudding or even watery stool is sometimes the body's way of purging itself of toxicity. Kind of like with humans too. I mean, have you ever drinking too much alcohol before? And your body's kind of like trying to expel it in a different way than through your mouth? Yep. Same thing. Same thing. You're going to be fine. Your body's just saving itself. <laughs> Same thing with food poisoning. <laughs> saving it's probably, itself from itself. <laughs> it's probably like coming out of both ends. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, if the feces is slightly soft, you can let it run its course while keeping the goats hydrated with electrolytes and monitoring its rectal temperature. Uh, when the body temperature is above the normal range of 101.5 to 103.5, um, you can use fever medication and an antibiotic to control the infection while hydrating the goat with electrolytes. But anything like that, um, just because I, I know I'm not a goat expert, I would absolutely call the vet um, just to make sure that that is the right approach to go with and, and what the vet would recommend to go with for the fever medication and antibiotic because everything can be a little different. Um so I'm not pretending to be an expert here at all. So uh, definitely go with a vet. Or if you just know better already, trust your instincts with that. Well, and I was going to say, too, it kind of depends on where you live. But having a vet come out to your farm for a goat really isn't as expensive as, as you would think it would be. It was $95 to have the vet come out on a Saturday oh, to diagnose bad. a goat for me. So it wasn't bad at all. And it was totally worth the peace of mind because then I knew that I had mm-hmm. already started in like the best possible way that I could because I got the expert's opinion. He's seen thousands of goats. So right. he had a better idea of what was wrong than I did. Right. And, and having that vet come out and help you too can be a way that you do learn 
so that you do know for sure better and can move in, in confidence the next time something happens. Absolutely. So if the, like, goat is having, like, super explosive watery diarrhea, um, for sure probably want them <laughs> to be seen by a vet. Probably better for the vet to come to you if possible because that's going to screw your vehicle up, though that's probably not, like, <laughs> the thing you're worried about if your goat's having explosive <laughs> diarrhea. Um, but if they can come to you in a reasonable time frame, that's probably best. Um, but to note, never use Imodium AD to control diarrhea in a goat. This process product can stop the peristaltic tick action of the gut. I butchered that. Um, Copy paste. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> this brings the digestive process to a halt, uh, which is what that action thing was that I just slaughtered. Um and it, when that digestive process stops, death can be the result. Sometimes, but not always, diarrhea is helpful in clearing up what is wrong, like we mentioned before. So that's why it's important to figure out what the heck it is. Um, one of the main reasons uh, a lot of kids and adults have diarrhea can come from coccidia and or worms. And these are both conditions that are transmitted from fecal to oral contact and occur most often in heavily managed situations where pens and troughs are not being kept clean or dry or where overcrowding exists. So if you're a little behind on your cleaning, which who isn't, if you're not, then I am just envious of you. I'm, I feel like I'm always behind on cleaning out the barn because I'm it's just always such a job. Also. Yeah, which is why one of the reasons why I hate that the first thing on any time a goat or an animal is sick, it always says management practices. <laughs> like it's like I'm doing my best. F you, <laughs> f you, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> because all it takes is one bad goat berry for your goat to gobble up, and it can have this problem. It doesn't mean that you're doing Absolutely. a bad job. <laughs> and I mean, have you ever seen a goat eat? They jump into their trough to eat, and then yeah. they eat shit Jerks. all over it, and then they're all rooting around in the goat berries to eat. And you're like, no, no, don't yeah. Touch what are those. you supposed to do? <laughs> Keep all the goats from eating? No, they're savages when it's food time. <sighs> so. Anyways, <laughs> acute diagnosis of worm or coccidia, an infestation is possible only by checking it through a microscope. It's important to note, too, that actually adult goats all carry a coccidia load in their stomach. So unless you know what is abnormal from that normal load, um, it might be alarming if, if you're new like me and Bev and trying to diagnose that sort of thing you're going to want to practice what's normal and what's not and things to google that probably makes it a lot easier um, but you know goats carry worm loads too it's just when they got out of whack in a way you can check if you if your goat is carrying a heavy parasite load is by checking their eyelid or and or their gums to make sure they're nice and pink if they're getting pale then that is your first clue that it might be a worm infestation and then or some kind of parasite and then that's when you want to do the fecal to determine exactly what it is so you know what to give them um the other thing and we've talked about this before is overfeeding on grain which could be sacked feed shell or cracked corn formulas concocted by the goat raiser or the colleagues um 
any snacks you're giving them. Uh, quick changes in feed, hay, or forage browse can cause severe ruminal acidosis, which shuts down the goat's digestive system and can result in death. So we've all heard about the overeating disease. We've all heard, you know, that goats will eat anything, which isn't really true. Actually, they taste everything. Um, they like to taste my sweatshirt, yes. but they don't eat it. Um, they, they like, like to, to taste, taste my hair. They like to taste the bucket of, of screws when yes. I'm going out to go work in there. <laughs> I'm like, stop it. <laughs> They're actually pretty smart, but sometimes there's like that switch in their brain, kind of like with humans, where you just eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, even when you know you should probably stop, you just keep eating. So that is something that could happen too. Um, another thing to check for is dehydration. Some people recommend the skin pinch test. Um, the, the goat in particular that I had problems with is just big boned. He's kind of fat, but he's, he's really just big boned. And I'm noticing that, okay, so it's Cal, Diana's brother, and he has just always been big. And I thought when we got him, he was fat, but no, he's just bigger boned. And I know that now because Diana, who is his sister, had a baby from Toot, um, and that baby boy is just, he's massive already. He is like four weeks younger than the other boys and he is bigger than them. Um, so it's just how he's built it's in his genetics. So it's harder to do like the skin pinch test on him. Um, so it, it's not really reliable. But if you think di dehydration, especially it, it doesn't hurt if they're having explosive diarrhea to hydrate them anyways. Um, because they're losing water that way. But dehydration could be a problem too. So with all that, that was pretty high level. You can really dive deep into the goat diarrhea if you want to. But for the sake of time, I, mean... I, I kept it kind of high level, you know, so we could just kind of float in the goat diarrhea and not dive into it. I like it. Those are good. Those are good puns. Yeah. So what was going on with Cal? So... This is, I'm pretty sure what happened. So this dummy, and I say this in the most loving way possible, prefers the outside drinking bowl. And that was empty, but the inside one was full. So I cleaned out the inside one really good and refilled it, assuming something wasn't to his liking in that one. And we refilled the outside one and he chugged the water. Like it was, it was insane how much water he just chugged. Um, but he left the inside one alone previously. That one was like untouched. So I did a parasite check, uh, checking his eyelids and it was perfectly pink, but I was being really cautious and gave him and his friends that hang out on his side, ivermectin. Um, I rarely worm because I'm paranoid of creating a resistance to the medications. So everyone got a cracker with the ivermectin and everyone got a cracker with probiotic gel too. And then boom, he was fine. So most likely it's just because he was in a funk. He might've eaten a little too much one day, um, but he wasn't bloated. It was hot outside. He was being picky about where he's getting his water and he's been competing for food a little bit more because we've been mixing the other babies in um, during the day and then we separate them at feeding time. Uh, so he's probably eating a little too fast is my guest. And then we had been at the Naperville Ale Fest all weekend and he had different people taking care of him. And they followed the directions for how much food to give everybody. But 
it might have just been kind of stressful to him too to have some faces he wasn't used to. Um, so I think it was just kind of that perfect storm. Luckily, there was nothing really wrong. Uh, he did have pretty bad pudding butt, mud butt. I don't know what you want to call it. Oh, um, yeah. So I did have to wipe it up with some paper towel because the flies were already like being attracted to it. And you don't want the flies to be like, you know, flies on shit. <laughs> you don't want that to happen because yeah. that can, um, they can get fly strike. Kind of like we talked about with the sheep and the tail docking in the last full episode. Um, yep. That can be an issue. So I did have to clean his butt, which is saying something because I've only changed one diaper in my whole life. So cleaning anything's butt really? is kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I only changed my oh. niece's diaper and my half brother, who's 10 years older than me brought her over to me and sat her down in my lap and was like, here, you deal with it. <laughs> he used to change my diaper all the time, though. So I think it was like revenge. And he knew. <laughs> what a jerk. I'm a little jealous that you've only ever changed one diaper. Yeah. Well, you know, when you don't have kids of your own, you kind of can get out of that a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a little trick for people too. What I do, I keep a spray bottle of water in my locker um, of you know goat supplies and first aid supplies, and I'll spray them with the water bottle. I'll like straddle them backwards and pick their tail up and and spray them with the water and then wipe it off with a cloth because that helps mm. clean clean out, clean it out of the crevices because you know it got, it got a little crevicey back there. Make yeah. sure that there's nothing stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I hope nobody's eating while they're listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you're just driving or something or doing chores and already like picking up some animal poop or something. <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of like our little bit of panic. That was like a come home from work and my husband's like, oh, Cal's got diarrhea. And I'm like, oh, God, what now? Um, but we were lucky that I think it was just him being a little stressed out. So I'm still keeping an eye on him, and there's been no diarrhea. He went from diarrhea to a little bit of clumpy poop, um, which is also something you got to watch for. So we've just been keeping up on the powdered probiotics and in the sweet feed and the little bit of grain that they get at night. And he seems to be back to normal. Good. I'm so glad he's getting better. I mean, it's never fun to find that, and diarrhea can absolutely be a sign of something serious so it's something that should always be looked into right but just try not to panic right away yes it's super easy to yeah. panic <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah don't panic it's not no. always an emergency no yeah. so now it's time for we can't even corner so bev what can't you even about this week So I can't even get over the fact that a man that was too drunk to drive saved a baby bird by calling Uber. Aww. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good feel-good story. And in fact, I got it from (laughs) thegoodnewsnetwork.org. Aww, I love it. So if you you need to pick me up, I definitely recommend going to that website. Um, And it says... A baby bird has been given a new lease on life after a resourceful partygoer made sure that it could be transported to a rescue center in the safest and most modern way possible. Animal rescuers from the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Northern Utah were surprised to find an Uber waiting outside their front doors last week. 
The only passenger that had been waiting in the backseat of the car was a tiny baby bird. Tim Crawley mm-hmm. and his friends had rescued the bird as they were in the middle of enjoying a weekend get-together in Clinton. They had been sitting outside when the bird suddenly fell out of the sky, and they could not figure out where it had come from. And uh, when they called the rescue center, the rescue center told them that they needed to take the bird in for treatment right away. But because he and his friends had been drinking, they were like, uh, we don't feel capable of driving <laughs> this bird to this rehabilitation center. So as a joke, they started talking about sending it in an Uber. And then they were like, well, wait, no, hold on. This is actually a really genius idea. Let's send it in an Uber. And they had called an Uber uh first and then told them what they were picking up and the uber driver canceled that that, uh, that ride so they called the second uber driver didn't tell them why they were calling them and then just told them when they got there and she took the baby bird Aww. to the rehabilitation center and i think part of that not to be like sexist or anything but you know ladies can be a little uh they're they can be more sensitive to things like that so yeah i think so <laughs> Yeah. And it also helps when you're there and you're looking at the baby bird. Like if somebody texts you and was yeah. like, hey, I'm having you drive a baby bird. You're going to be like, what sort of freaking weirdo am I dealing with? Because if you're there and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. That bird lo- better leave me a five star rating and a tip. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it was lucky that the woman agreed to drive the bird to the rescue center because it made it. And uh, it's been fondly named Petey Uber by the rescuers. And it will be released in the wild just in time for the migration season at the end of the summer. How cute. So it has a good ending, too. Yeah. That's a good one. So what can't you even get over this week? So apparently you can buy cow cuddles for $75 an hour at a luxurious bed and breakfast in upstate New York. I would totally pay that to do that. Not going to (laughs) lie. So this is a luxurious bread and breakfast and glamping site in Five Lakes region of upstate New York. And it's called Mountain House Farm or Mountain Horse Farm. Excuse me. And uh, the owner of this place, uh, she is on like this 33 acre ranch um, and there's horses and there's cows. And she didn't know that this cow cuddling thing was a thing until after a trip to the Netherlands. Um, so after she t- took that trip and learned about the cow cuddling, she thought it would be an amazing addition to the wellness work they were already doing. So in 2008, they added two cows to the farm, Bonnie and Bella. And now you can, for the small fee of $75 an hour, uh, go hang out with cows. And... Um, they did note that sometimes the cows like sit and hang out and they want to cuddle, but also they like to roam free and play during their human interactions. And a lot of people are surprised that the cows have so much personality. Um, and they're surprised that the cows have names and come over when they're called. So, uh, it's pretty cool that people can do this cow experience and at mountain horse farms, you can do this once or twice per day. Uh, and it's usually only three to four days per week between May 1st and October 31st. Um, and the sessions are private. So if you want to be private about your cow cuddles, um, it's only four people at a time. (laughs) Uh, and you do have to be 12 years or older to spend time with the cows. 
uh, which is good because cows Fair can, enough. you know, <laughs> kick and really hurt you if they're pissed off and not feeling like cuddling that day. I mean, sometimes I don't want to be cuddled. Yep. It's too hot. Get off me. So. Most of the time, I don't want to be cuddled. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like between like the, you know, goat yoga and reindeer yoga and now this cow experience, I think this is a really cool way to get people that don't interact with cows a lot to understand like how cool of an animal they are um, and how they do have personality. I don't know. Maybe it'll be, make people just more vegetarian and vegan, but <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. It's pretty cool though. So I don't know if I would pay $75 an hour for that, but I grew up around cows too. So it's a little different. Fair enough. Yeah. See, I didn't <laughs> grow up around cows. So I think one of the reasons why things like this is so important is because the divide between suburban and urban America and rural America seems to be getting wider and wider, even though the distance is getting closer and closer, mm. you know, because urban sprawl and all of that stuff. Uh, and I think that by giving people the opportunity to spend some real time one-on-one with animals, I think that it, it, it helps them to be uh, more empathetic and understanding of, of why a rural lifestyle is something that, that people are into even cause like, I mean, I love my fancy lattes and brunch, but I decided that my donkey cuddles trump that in my, you know, in my world. So that's just me. But also mm-hmm. some people really want to live on a farm, but can't because of work or financial constraints or something else. And this helps mm-hmm. give them an opportunity to get to experience that without having to make that move to the rural life. Cause it's not an easy life for everybody to live. Like oh, not everybody no. gets to work from home a couple of days a week or, you know, have companies that are as understanding as like ours are for doing what we do. So exactly. I like it. That's a good point. Oh, Yeah. So, as mentioned before, I have a farm story this week. So I can't wait to hear it. Okay, so it feels kind of like a saga because it's still kind of going on. But <clears throat> So, I came home from the Ale Fest, and I had a work friend watching my animals while I was gone. And she came over like a few days before, and I went through everything with her. Um, and she's an animal lover. So I like knew this wasn't going to be an issue, (laughs) but I came home and, uh, rocket, our female Pekin duck was sitting on eight duckling eggs before I went and they were all developing and they were supposed to hatch last Saturday. Um, but I came home and they were all gone. And at first I thought the house sitters took them by accident. Cause I said, whatever eggs you can collect, just take them with you is like part of your deal for payment of taking care of all my animals. So I panicked a little bit and I was like, did you take the duck eggs? And she's like, yeah, uh, we did. Is that okay? If not, I can bring them back to work tomorrow. I was like, no, 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 that that's fine. Just don't open them because I'm pretty sure they're developing. And I was like, I'm sorry. I thought I told you rocket was sitting on some eggs. So you know, they were going to hatch. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we didn't take those. We took the ones, like, on the outside. Because since Rocket's been in there, they've just been laying out near the pools like jerks. Um, <laughs> Duck Easter egg hunt every day. <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay, no, those are fine. But do you know what happened to the ones under Rocket? And they were like, yeah, she wasn't sitting on anything. We don't we didn't really know what was going on with that. So I assumed it was like a snake got, you know, crawled through the welded wire and got in there and ate them. But the next day, while I was 
on like the pool side of the run, I saw this huge poop on the roof under the covered area. So I automatically thought like possum or raccoon. And Matt had pointed out an opening near the roof above the fence like the week before and said, I can't believe nothing's ever gotten in before. (laughs) So it's like he jinxed us. Um, Oh, I do that too. Tell Matt it's not his fault. (laughs) I always do that too. (laughs) So I went around the outside and I saw like little mud marks like of something pulling itself up and over. So Matt put wire over it. And that night Matt went out there and a raccoon was scaling the cage after dark and he wouldn't move until Matt sprayed him with the hose. <sighs> yeah. So he's also been terrorizing the outside of the other chicken pens looking for delicious eggs now that he's had a taste for it. Um, and he's been bringing friends back with him. So um. I believe it was Friday night. Uh, I went outside and there was six raccoons. And at first I was like, oh, they're so cute. It's fine. And then I went inside and started Googling, like, what raccoons can do to your flocks. And they can even, like, take out your geese. And I'm about to move mm-hmm. my very expensive geese outside. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, they gots to go. Yeah. Um, so I will put a disclaimer in here. It is very important for you to... Uh, look up your laws in your state about protecting your land and your livestock. Um, legally, we can kill raccoons that are destructing or being destructive or about to be destructive to our property. Uh, so we, and by we, I mean Matt, I stood out there for moral support, uh, picked off three out of the six raccoons that night. Um, and then they didn't come back Saturday, but they were back last night because I know this because on the omelet coop that I got, the food thing, um, hinges on the, on like the fence on the outside. So what these little effers have done is they know that they can pick up the food thing to get it to unhinge, spin it around, put their hands through the cage and grab handfuls of food out. So... (laughs) That's where they've been getting their food. So that's how I know if they've been around or not. And that's how we picked them off because they're not correlating that, you know, pellet BB gun shooting my friend is also going to get me. So we'd take one out and then another one would come back like two minutes later. (laughs) Not very smart. Um, Very food driven. But I will say the omelet coop, aside from the food thing, um, they did take apart a few of the clasps, but they cannot get in because of the way the um, there's like a little cage around the perimeter that sits on the ground and they can't get in. So the omelet coop is predator proof. Um, what I'm going to do until we can either deter all the raccoons or take the rest of them out because they'll just keep coming back and bringing their friends. Like it's just going to become more and more of a problem, which is why we decided to eliminate that problem. Um, is just start putting the food away at night. So, (laughs) uh, that was a bit of a saga, but that is my farm story for this week. And I'm sure there'll be some follow-up next week. But yeah, raccoons are kind of assholes. Well, I was just getting ready to give the raccoons, like, props for being so smart to figure out how to, like, hinge the food (laughs) and stuff. And then, you know, they come one by one afterwards to get shot is kind of hilarious. Yeah, and it's really important to look up your local laws about raccoons because, like, 
somebody would be like, oh, well, why don't you just trap them and release them somewhere else? Well, that's illegal <laughs> in yeah. some places. You cannot yep. trap a raccoon and take it off of your property and release it because then you're essentially just giving that problem to somebody else. <laughs> and you're not allowed to do that. So, it, yeah. Exactly. And what's interesting, and, and they carry rabies, so if they bite you, that's bad. Um, yeah. So there's that. And the other interesting thing, too, that I found out is in Michigan, you need some kind of hunting permit for possums. But not raccoons or coyotes. Oh. So that's another reason why it's important to like look that shit up so you don't get in trouble for protecting your animals. <laughs> you got to follow those rules. Yes, yes. Rule followers over here. Yeah. So if you have a farm story, uh, email those to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And maybe we will read that. I mean, most likely we'll read it unless it's really just not appropriate yeah (laughs) i mean we haven't gotten anything inappropriate yet oh no uh, we're accepting yeah yeah (laughs) someday who knows it's hard to say yes but now it's housekeeping corner yes our corner's gotten super tiny though it's the tiniest housekeeping corner ever are you ready for this yes we are ready (laughs) Uh, review us in all the places because we like that and it helps with our numbers and it helps other people find us. And if you really like us, download the episode when you hit the listen button and even, even better hit the subscribe button. Um, and if you listen on YouTube, leave us a comment, uh, that really supports the podcast and it makes us feel very happy inside and out. It does. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening guys. Yes, indeed. We hope your faces aren't melting off like ours were the past weekend. We hope wherever you're at, it's a lot cooler. Your flock or your herd is much happier because I know I am right now. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And drink. Farm. And and give give zero zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things. We drink and farm things.